Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and a nutrition prof, and I'm a bodybuilder. Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm a journalist, former editor at Muscle Man International, former competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a competitive powerlifter and Highland Games athlete. Um, I'm the owner of Strength Guild and founder of LiftForHope.org and currently highly medicated. Highly Whoa. medicated. Uh, All right. So you're, but you're already training. Yeah, I trained twice so far. Once I'll train again this afternoon. But yeah, I went in and trained squats and good mornings and some single arm presses and rows on Tuesday, and I went and threw Highland Games this morning. Wow! You will not well, tell denied. us a little bit about the surgery, though. Um, went in there last Friday, woke up several hours later, and I'm in a nice little uh, half cast thing. Um, I'll be out uh, out of this uh, next Tuesday. Back to training in six weeks, full recovery in twelve. Um, yeah, other than that, I don't know. How I got a lot of surgery. Uh, we were in there a total of the surgery itself was about an hour. And then okay. it took me two hours to wake up. Now speaking gibberish for an hour after that. So I don't know. We were in there from ten till three in the afternoon. Something like that. Right on. Yeah, that'll shut down a, a day for you. Yeah, I'm guessing. <laughs> Alright, let's talk a little bit about this new uh, Conan the Barbarian movie Iron Radio Review That's not so new Yeah, it actually came out on uh, DVD I think after Thanksgiving sometime last year But you actually saw it, so you can give a little review here Yeah, I actually wanted to see it in theater But uh, several people that I thought I trusted their opinion Told me it wasn't so good so I avoided it. But then I saw it reasonably cheap on DVD, so I bought it, and I liked it. I think it's a good flick. The only thing I can guess is that perhaps uh, a lot of people just were, uh, you know, they, they're too firmly stuck on old Arnie uh, yeah. playing the role, so maybe they were uh, not allowing themselves to watch the movie as a, as a new entry into it, you know, and instead of, you know, just watching it and keep comparing it to the originals. Right. I mean, I don't think it's like the greatest movie I've ever seen, but it's, it certainly doesn't stink. And I think anybody, um, any of our listeners who, I hope most of our listeners are into that kind of thing. Yeah, I read some reviews. They said it was pretty high, high budget, like seventy million to make or something. They said it was, it was very well done. But you're right. There's always the, the reach back to you know Schwarzenegger and and that kind yeah. of stuff. So I mean, and there's no question now that you know after so many years having passed since Arnold did those movies, that it's kind of seeped into the collective, you know, um, pop culture DNA. That, oh, it you know, certainly has. And, and I think it has in, among bodybuilders in particular, you know, because not only do a lot of uh, weightlifters, bodybuilders enjoy, you know, the whole genre of films that Arnold did. You know, it's all sort of just action. You know, actually, Conan was one of the more serious ones, even though it was a fantasy flick, because a lot of that stuff like Commando and stuff was just, you know, <laughs> maximum body count foolishness. 
but uh, yeah, no, it was a good flick. I think I think uh, most people who would probably enjoy it. Weigh in on it, guys. Anybody who's seen it out there, send us an email and tell us what you think of the new Conan the Barbarian movie. I actually think the new guy who uh, can't recall his name right now on the on the fly, but the guy who yeah, actually his last name was Momoa or something like that, something or? like that, something like that. And uh, I thought it was pretty badass, actually. Really, yeah. I have I have not seen it. I'm gonna have yeah. to check it out. I mean, he didn't even, you know. Of course, Hollywood has a way of, you know, seemingly over time, watering down the muscularity of, you know, some of these action heroes as of late, certainly, and, and stuff like that. But this guy, I think, actually does a good job. You know, I think he's as, as muscular as you'd want a guy to be without it looking stupid. You know what I mean? Well, like, let's be honest. Someone like Arnold, if he was really a barbarian, that wouldn't work very well. You know, I mean, well, when, when they, you're that, when you're so big that you tear a muscle because you, you know, you you twitch wrong, or you're so gassed out of your mind that you can't run forty yards without ripping your hamstrings out. You know what I mean? That that's not that that's, well, that's not the whole that thing. Kind of... I, I prefer the. I mean, some people obviously will have a different opinion, but my whole thing is I would rather see, you know, a character of, of Conan being somebody who is believable. Muscularity, you know, would be believable, not some. Well, I hate guy... to go too far on the function functional fitness side of things, but no. obviously those guys constantly in battle, they'd look a little bit more svelte. They probably would not look like a competitive bodybuilder. That's all. No, yeah. but it makes for good good film. I think Arnold wasn't unbelievable muscularity, I wouldn't say. You know what the thing is that, you know, Phil's, you're actually dead set, actually, because Arnold is not nearly as as big as I think a lot of people remember him in those movies. He's on stage, he's like 235 or something. No, but I mean, even in the movies, he's he's not nearly as big as competitively. And I I actually preferred um, how he looked to a degree in those. But um, I mean, I'd be pissed if they put, like, Brad Pitt in Fight Club as Conan. Right. Come on, dude. Oh, yes. <laughs> no doubt. Make no mistake, I'm not championing you know, these super svelte guys, because you're right, Rob. We've really gotten away from the hyper-muscular era of the sort of the 80s and 90s, you know, with the action heroes. you got guys like, uh, uh, I don't know, I, I can't even think of one right now, but the, of, the, the action heroes, you're like, really? Well, like you know? the jerk-off playing uh, Spider-Man. <laughs> jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm highly medicated here. It takes my filter out somewhat. There you go. Um, so, All right. <laughs> the kid playing Spider Man. Uh, and on uh, on the uh, same tract as uh, talking about bar- barbarism or barbarism or barbarianism, uh, barbarism, mm-hmm. yeah, um, barbaric behavior. How about that uh, face eating guy down there in uh, Florida? Yeah, that's that's just not good at all. You know, we were talking, everybody, before we got on the air that, um, you know, how do you actually allow someone to uh, eat your face off unless you yourself are completely wasted or, or, or something? I don't know. It's yeah, hard like for Phil is right now. Yeah. yeah. I think I'd stop you from eating my face, though. Yeah, I think, I think Phil could, <laughs> he could at least push you away. His triceps yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. Now, we're bringing this up, though, because we were actually uh, – Relating it somewhat to uh, something muscle building relatable, so so people don't just think we're turning Iron Radio into just a, you know a daily um, chat fest about current uh, current affairs. The the truth is that we were sort of laughing about the protein content. You know, Phil said, "How about I wonder how many grams of protein that guy? You know, half his face is gone." Of course, Rob was sending around pictures. It's grisly. So, you know, four ounces of meat would be about 30 grams of protein or so. But, you know, of course, skin is mostly collagen, and that's not exactly going to – you're not going to get big on that. No. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about this. Well, he went, at least he, he went around the hair and looked like he went deeper than he did far. You know, he, yeah, he avoided the mustache. So, I mean, that, that's a suggestion to Iron Radio listeners. You know, grow lots of facial hair and save your face because the zombies yeah. won't eat it, you know. 
Yeah. The two boot fur. Yeah, it's too manly, too spiky. But <laughs> we were actually talking, actually in the past, uh, Blast from the past, there was an older guy who was sort of uh, sleezing around the magazines for there for a while named Pax Beal. He was a bodybuilder. And uh, he actually patented, I believe, a, a human muscle tissue protein, the amino acid profile, uh, supposedly the same as muscle and how it was superior. And r- r- uh, Phil and I were digging around. We actually found a- animal nitro uh, by animal pack or something like that. And it says here a specific ratio of essential amino acids called human muscle protein or human muscle protein complex uh, that is modeled on actual human muscle protein itself. So they're actually arguing that that's superior because it's more like your actual muscles. But, of course, regardless of the speculation you see in these articles, like I'm looking at one on bodybuilding.com right now, you know, research is not going to necessarily support that. A lot of this is just guesswork. I mean, whey protein because of its leucine content and amino acid profile and everything is a the best we've got. So, but it's it's funny that they're actually suggesting that it's almost cannibalistic. You know, this whole idea of oh, we're going to powder uh, amino acids that are exactly like your muscles, and, and you should eat these to get big. So, we'll yeah, well, considering that human disease. Well, there's that guy now in the state. Well, where was that in the states? I, I just saw this news report. Some other guy ate his college roommate or something. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's a here's a legitimate piece of news from May 18th. We'll get <laughs> to our topic. We'll get to our topic of the day. Strength and muscle sport news. Uh, I, I kid you not. This is from FoxNews.com, May 18th. CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, warns public to prepare for zombie apocalypse. Whoa. Again, check it out. My, my son was flipping out about this. He's been reading a lot of uh, sort of creepy uh, fiction lately. But and it's, here it says, are you prepared for the impending zombie invasion? That's the question posed by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in a Monday blog posting the gruesome title, uh, Preparedness 101 Zombie Apocalypse. Hmm. Uh, it says, uh, while it's no joke, CDC officials say it's all about emergency preparation. So I think they're just trying to spin all this, you know, into how to prepare for emergencies. But it says there's all kinds of emergencies out there we can prepare for. Take a zombie apocalypse, for example. That's right. I said zombie apocalypse. You may laugh now, but when it happens, you'll be happy you read this. And, hey, maybe you'll even learn a thing or two. And then they go on to say the uh, uh, the post was written by the assistant surgeon general, uh, Ali Khan uh, is his name, instructs readers on how to prepare for flesh-eating zombies. Uh, anyway... So if you're interested in that and where this really goes, it's foxnews.com. Uh, it's by Joshua Rhett Miller. CDC warns public to prepare for a zombie apocalypse. So mm. there you go. Oh, I got some good news, too. I forgot that I was going to. Um, from our good buddy, Mark Ripta. I was talking to him, and, you know, we were just shooting the. I'll, I'll try and keep it PG. We were speaking back and forth to one another. Um, the other day, and uh, he started up something pretty neat um, down in, at his gym, Wichita Falls Athletic Club in Texas. And he's offering a, uh, he's got a live-in facility now. So you can come stay and, and train with him and his staff for a week. Um, you get, you know, they'll, they'll load the refrigerator with grass-fed beef and, and stuff Ooh. like that for you. A couple um, faces, a couple faces. Yeah, it says on here, <laughs> you know, you get a couple faces, yeah. They, uh, you know... You get, in addition to fine beef and pork, then you get to go out to eat a couple times, this and that. It entered his house. Um, you train two days, Monday through Friday. Uh, it's all included. Um, yeah, just a bunch of stuff. You can check it out on his site. So 
Um, anybody who hadn't at least been down there to visit for a few days um, needs to make it down to Wichita Falls and, and kick around with Mark and them. But now you got a way to you can spend a whole seven days down there and train two a days for five days and then get out and do some fun stuff with, with Rip and the gang. So Cool. Yeah. yeah, I I saw him speak once. Uh, it was actually on behalf of CrossFit when I was down in Texas at a exercise physiology meeting, and uh, I like the guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, no good. nonsense, right there. Yeah, for sure. All right, but as for the legitimate topic of the day, we're actually going to discuss something because I, I actually have been entertaining some conversations with uh, a couple of students recently who have been asking questions about you know, what we do, like, how do you become what you are? And I think maybe a lot of listeners, they, they don't really um, recognize exactly what we do. But, you know, just to set the stage before we go to break, you know, the three of us were a coach, a professor and a journalist, essentially. And we've all woven strength or muscularity into our professions in some way. So that's what we're going to sort of have a, a lighthearted discussion about what we want to be when we grow up, what it took to get us here, what we wasted time with. Uh, what we still would like to do, and those sorts of things, just to try to give everybody an idea. So we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, flesh-eating co-hosts, here we go. We're going to do the topic of the day. Uh... I'm just going to throw out a bunch of questions to you guys, I think, and then you guys just answer them as honestly as you can. I'll interject a little bit as well. But some of this, again, is based on some of the things that students and other people have asked me uh, since the Iron Radio podcast started, and notably even just two or three recently, very recently. So, Can I add in one thing before we start going? Oh, yeah. Because I had somebody email me in my highly medicated state, and I can't find that email. They were asking me about the, the music for our openers and stuff and where they can find it. So I'm just going to tell them if my brother's band just drop me a line again. I'll, you know, whatever I got here. So. Okay. So how do they reach you? They can just email me again because that's what they did, and somehow I can't find it. <laughs> okay. Or you can just email a question to the Iron Radio contact, yeah. and it'll it'll come through to me, and I will uh, forward it as I usually do. Forward it to the appropriate parties. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. No in in a pinch, go to ironradio.org and just click the email fortress link or whatever. Yeah. 
Right. Cool. Okay. So question number one here, as we start to you know cut through a lot of the BS, because I think if we're not careful, uh, some of these people are, they're going to waste a lot of time and money. Uh, trying to pursue their love of, of muscularity, and I think we can at least give them some hints on how to prevent that. So question number one, let's start with you, Rob. Uh, did you think as a child you'd end up being like a bodybuilding journalist and work for a big muscle magazine and that sort of thing? No, not at all. I mean, I uh, you know my interest began in, in bodybuilding-type stuff when I was probably 13 or 14, but I didn't actually start lifting weights until I was 15, but... Even when I went through journalism school, I, I really didn't – I don't think – well, I, I guess I kind of had an idea that, you know, because I was always good at, you know, good at writing and that type of thing that I would kind of try and see if I could kind of, you know, push things in that direction. But it, it turns out in my last year of college that, you know, we did kind of like a co-op type thing and seeing as how Muscle Mag, which was, was a magazine I bought regularly, was right out of Toronto, which is where I'm from and went to school, I just thought I'd contact Robert Kennedy, who – recently just passed away rest in peace but um and i did and i got and i i got in there and um for a co-op thing and it was it was within a few weeks that uh, mr kennedy actually offered me a job so um it worked out well that way um yeah, certainly kind of a big break in a way huh yeah in, in the in the first few years of course of course everything went to hell after that but <laughs> well you know that's the, and, sure. and i think people know <clears throat> sometimes you pull back the curtain and you look at people's real lives and a little bit of the the image goes away but my perspective of of your work at the at the magazine of course you worked at other magazines and, and web stuff too but was that bob was like almost like some kind of cr- cranky uncle or dad or something and he would fire you and then rehire you and then fire you and rehire you yeah no know. it really was like that i mean i i'm i'm i can only guess that you know the situation as it existed at that time at like flex magazine and muscle fitness was was not like what it was at Muscle Mag at that point. I mean, of course, RK Publishing now is, you know, the umbrella, you know, company that now houses several titles that Bob Kennedy um, owned. Um, is right. We bequeathed to his now wife. But um, at that time, um, we're talking like, the, you know, the earlier part of the 90s, I mean, Muscle Mag still at that time was just Muscle Mag. There I'll was tell no you what, Rob, if I can, I'm just going to... Um... <clears throat> toot your horn a little bit for you, but I think listeners need to realize, too, that a lot of the journalists in bodybuilding are not real journalists. A lot of the scientists aren't real scientists. It was just, and this is especially bad, I think, probably in the 90s. Uh, I always thought, you know, listen, if you can get some people who actually went to school for these things or actually had some experience and they weren't just bottom-of-the-barrel people who were acting like journalists, you know, then the content would have been a lot better. Things would have been a lot more professional. But, I mean, I did see some professionals that you worked with being there at the Muscle Mag headquarters and whatnot. But I just want everybody to know Rob's a real journalist. He's not, you know, and I actually went to school for a long time to become a real scientist in these sorts of things. So well, that's why you got to beware, whole, right? There's a lot of uh, yeah. amateur Well, that's why people. in the whole realm of the industry, you know, slash bodybuilding industry, um, it's actually difficult to find actually people who are professionals and you know, well versed and and if not competitive, certainly like you know, hungry, consistent weight trainers, or going the other way, guys who are hungry, consistent weight trainers or competitive athletes, you know, bodybuilders, powerlifters, and people who have it's it's, it's kind of those that rare combination. I'm not again, I'm not trumping my own horn either, but I think that was a thing that, thing that Bob kind of liked about me. You know, it's like I was you know green as hell when it came to bodybuilding, but I was so hungry for it, and I was so passionate about it, and 
you know, even if I was fresh out of college and, you know, still not very, um, you know, necessarily, you know, um, evolved in my craft of journalism I, I, as a journalist, I think, I think he saw that passion and he enjoyed that. So, and if, if Bob, you know, for everything that people say about the guy, he really did like championing, you know, young talent and that type of thing. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, going back to what you said earlier, the environment at that time at Muscle Mag was very much family oriented. At that time, I think there was only maybe, you know, maybe 20 or less total employees for Muscle Mag. And of course now RK Publishing probably has over a hundred. So, um, it was very much like that, you know, with him and Johnny Fitness and <laughs> all that. It was very much kind of like a big dysfunctional family and, in a way that served me well and served me not well because certainly for the future it kind of like I don't know if I should use the word spoiled but it certainly I think gave me kind of a skewed idea of how things are run at magazines because it was so so unusual how Muscle Mag did things mm-hmm. um, you know so it kind of was a shock later on when I found out that you know there was actually these magazines that, that actually functioned in a, in a much more you know and I use a quotation sign here you know proper way of doing things but yeah. um I think a lot of the fact that it was done the way it was lent it to, let, lent it to being kind of, I think, certainly at that time, um, probably the best magazine on the market for what it was. I used to read it, actually, of, of Flex and Muscle and Fitness and all the different magazines. I read Muscle Mag quite a bit. I mean, you remember they used to have, like, the gossip columns and a lot of the photos around Venice Beach and stuff? Yeah, those and, were all my favorite parts. You know, yeah. those were all my, my favorite parts. And uh, I can tell you that when we were there, and towards the end of my being there, and then in, in the years after I left, when I because I still, of course, you know, uh, spoke relatively frequently with Bob Kennedy and Johnny Fitness and so forth, that that those were the parts that people really liked and came to miss after they were kind of um, taken away. Um, right. So I mean, well, yeah, our, the, the flag bearer for kind of professionalism at that time was Flex Magazine and Muscle and Fitness. Yeah, um, with 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 you know on the far other far end of the extreme being Muscle Mag, and then kind of in the middle was kind of like the Iron Man muscular development kind of um, format. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's it's one of those things where I get it. I'm part of part of it for me is nostalgia, um, because again, I you know the air that air of Muscle Mag and so forth is so close to me because I was a part of it, um, and part of it is a bias because <laughs> I contributed. A lot more than people even realize those 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 years I was there. I mean, people have no idea how much I ghost wrote, and I mean, I, I contribute a lot to them as you. So that's why biased. I was tooting your horn a little bit because I think a lot of listeners, if you're old enough to have looked at Muscle magazines over the last five, ten, fifteen years, a lot of what you've read is probably, it's especially Muscle Mag, has been ghost written by Rob. It looks yeah. like it's coming from an athlete. I wonder if most guys even realize that a lot of this stuff they think is coming from the athlete's mouth really is not composed, you know, in that way from the athlete. No, and that was... It's loosely was, based, you know. Yeah, that was, that, that was such a, you know, a, a real eye-opener for me when I got there to realize that, you know, all these articles, you know, by, you know, it, it, was, it really wasn't. I mean, I can tell you 99% of all pieces that were, you know, about Gary Stratton's, you know, uh, by, you know, his chest training by Gary Stratton. It wasn't by Gary Stratton. It wasn't... This is not necessarily ripping on the guys, um... In a lot of cases, it would be ripping on them because a lot of these guys were. I mean, they some of them would actually try to send in their stuff. Um, actually, that happened quite a bit. People, the guys would actually send. You know, like we'd get on the horn with some, you know, ex athlete in the IFBB or whatever, and say, "Hey, you know what? Send us an article on how you train your chest." And the guy would be like, "Oh," uh, and we would say, "Listen, don't worry about anything. Just kind of jot down what you did in your chest workouts for the last month." 
and, and put some, you know, personal, you know, um, little quips in there about, you know, things that happened, weights you used, stuff like that. And then we'll kind of flesh it out from there. Fortress will whip it up for you. And I was going to say, and guess who was the guy who <laughs> was the guy who flushed <laughs> right, me? Right. So, you know, and I, I made it look presentable and, you know, but, um, yeah, and that's something that I think, I think now it's not as mysterious, but back then, certainly, I think a lot of people actually were under the impression that those guys were actually writing their own articles. And like I say, with very few exceptions, none of them did. Um, so, well, let's, even let's, lot, I want to switch gears that let's, or not switch gears so much, but just over to Phil. Phil, what did you, what did you plan on doing as a child? Were, were you, uh, was your family super athletic? I mean, no. what, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oof, I have no idea. I'm still, I was still figuring that out for a long time. Um, <clears throat> I originally, you know, I, I, after high school, I, I worked. And then, uh, I don't know, from, from day one, I wanted to do what I loved. And I just didn't know what that was yet. Um, ended up going to art school. Got a bachelor's in art. Got a master's in art. Um, and found myself during, towards the end of the bachelor's degree and then all through the art degree, um, you know, I graduated from that summa cum laude with 4.0, but the sad part is, is uh, I was spending 85% of my time studying, training, and nutrition. At that time, a lot of it was nutrition, um, and uh, I, I kind of knew what I had to do. <laughs> you know, despite despite that I was doing well in another area, it wasn't my passion. Um, so, hmm. um, headed towards towards coaching and spent. You know, during that time and, and after, I was spending as much time as I could contacting, talking to, training with, training for, um, and learning from the, be- the best I could find. So, right. So that kind of begs the second question then. You never do you feel, do you feel like the... I said the best, Rob. You never... Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> did, you, did you feel like you wasted any time then? I mean, were, do you spin your degrees into any use now or... Yeah, I use them in my marketing promotions business some, um, and for my own, um, I do a lot of marketing and promotions for other people in the fitness industry, um, as well as run my own gym and stuff like that. So I, I will use it on uh, design my own shirts and design their shirts, uh, book covers, stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, I'd say I use it some, but uh, right. Well, I can tell you, I can tell listeners that you certainly sent a bunch of photos. <laughs> your passion for taking thick pictures yeah, of your food stuff. filled up my protein book pretty nice. <laughs> exactly. I mean, things like that. I, I still love art, um, but it's it's something I want to do for fun. It's not something I want to do for a living. Oh, I thought you were going to say he. I thought you were going to say he moved away. <laughs> but um, so, that, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, Rob. Let's turn that, let me turn the question over to you now, Lonnie, because you're you're kind of playing host here, so I feel bad. Let's ask, let me ask oh. you. I mean, you you, without question, <laughs> am the are the most decorated amongst us. So well, at least I mean, in and the... your and your academia, yeah. um, You know, history is is vast. So I mean, did you get into that having any idea? Just how much time you were going well, to have That's a good spend. question because when I was a kid, you know, I'm not a I'm not a, a big person, and I'm from a family of. You know, my sister was a gymnast. My brother and I both, you know, worked out when we were in you know, high school and everything. So, but we weren't like a super athletics. We certainly weren't a bunch of huge people in my family. We tend to be little. You know, women in my family are like five feet tall if they're lucky. You know, stuff like that. And but. Um, for me, when I went to actually went to university, that was basically the only rule in my house was everybody's going to college, you know. And I think my mom just wanted that for us. But so I'm like, I got to school, and I'm like, well, I like to write, I like 
art. I like you know draw and paint and and I like to lift you know because I started that of course we've said before when I was about thirteen or so. So by the time I'm you know, I'm at university, I just said well I'd like to take something I like and turn it into a career. And one thing led to another. You know occasionally you'll have a class with a professor who's really cool or something like that. And so I gravitated toward exercise physiology. Uh, and that led to the nutrition part as well, which I eventually studied as well, because a lot of the questions I got from people I was training was about nutrition. Uh, you know, so, and then just life kind of takes you in a certain direction. And before you knew it, I was in grad school and then doctoral work and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But that's me. So what about wasted time? If listeners are, are saying, listen, I'd like to do something involved with muscularity or strength or nutrition or coaching or, you know, writing about it or any of these sorts of things, what would you have them not do? What, what do you think was a waste of time? What about you, Rob? Well, you know, it, it's, it, that's a tricky question because, you know, if you want to be philosophical about it, you can say that, you know, is anything really wasted? Um, I, I eventually, when I roundabout way when I came back to thinking maybe I'll go back to school um, now we're going back again like 12 years or whatever I thought okay well I'll just you know capitalize on what I've already done you know academically and I'll, I'll try and further that and I actually went into a, you know, um, a trade school here in Toronto which I won't name um, that offered a multimedia course I thought that would be a nice kind of like you know um, padding for the journalism thing and of course at the time that's when you know, the internet and that was start, starting to take off, you know, with the whole HTML right. and every, yeah. the multimedia pl- platforms that have, of course, now come to a fruition with, you know, everything being, you know, on the net and internet-based and all that kind of stuff. But um, so on one hand, did I waste my time? And certainly, I mean, I actually, funnily enough that I'm talking about this, I only just finished paying off my uh, student loans for that about two months ago. But, oh, wow. Um, yeah. But... You know, it was one of those things where do I, do I regret it? Well, in a lot of ways, yeah, it didn't lend, lend itself to being directly a- applicable to making money to me, uh, probably at all. But, you know, in a way, I, I also don't like to necessarily say that any education is wasted. Um, I like what you're saying there, Rob, because I, I'm going to point listeners to, if you haven't checked it out, it's uh, Steve Jobs did a graduation lect- lecture at Stanford in 2005, and he talks about all those sorts of things, like, he was studying the artistry of different fonts, computer fonts, uh, and sort of calligraphy and these sorts of things. And you'd think they would go to totally to waste. And then he actually folded that into sort of what made the Macintosh special. You know, so he was a big one uh, proponent of what you're saying there, which is study it anyway. Study broadly. Follow your passions. And you never know what you're going to be able to use, you know, in the future. Yeah. And like I say, if when I first came away from it, maybe within five or six years of it, yeah, I probably would have, would have said it was a waste of time. But now, again, that I'm looking back, you know, a dozen or more years now, in hindsight, not really. I mean, I don't really re- regret necessarily doing it. Um, there's really nothing I regret. I mean, again, I, to me, you always have to look at things from two standpoints: from the economic standpoint, and from just the you know living life standpoint. And you know, I have a lot of regrets, maybe time wasted, so forth, as far as, like, you know, accruing some sort of economic stability, but, you know, and, and things I've wasted, whatever. But, I mean, from a standpoint of just living my life, I, I really don't have many regrets like that. I, you know, I, I, a lot of my life, just a lot of people would be considered just kind of, like, wayward and kind of off the track half the time and, you know, and... Uh, 
you know, long periods of kind of just like, you know, confusion and fluctuations and all that kind of thing. So, right. you know, but I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's just what, what I live. And I, and well, I, I think that's one of the topics there that actually that I want to touch on later is, you know, what works and what doesn't. And I mean, some of the things, if, if you pursue your passion aggressively and you become self-employed, you're going to give up a certain amount of steady paycheck, you know, huge, you know, salary and health care and some of those sorts of things. And I mean, these are realistic things that young people, I think, have to consider. You know, what I mean? the, yes. the more you pursue individual passions and self-employment, you know, the the more you're going to have to go fight with the concept promoting and trying to have client base or, you know, all these sorts of things. And I mean, there's even guys now, young guys like Lane Norton, who they graduate with their doctorate and they pretty much just go into bodybuilding. And I think that shocks a lot of people. Uh, because of, co- of course you can you could say that you're a consultant and you can make millions of dollars, or you could say you're a consultant and basically just not be making any money at all. Uh, yeah. and, you, know, you know, and it's one of those things where also I always tell people, you know, like so much of contemporary, you know, uh, you know, first world society, um, give us give us young people this idea that you have to make X amount of dollars, and, and the truth of the matter is. You can live very much on the cheap. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm giving too much away here, but I mean, it, it's it's amazing to me actually how people complain about um, you know the, their economic situation when I hear about what they're making compared to what I make or what I have made or what I, I mean, you know, or what my desires are to make. You do um, have to you have to be careful because society will tell you a certain thing. I, I was speaking to a young guy yesterday, Mike Walker, and you know, I told yeah. him he, he said he was hoping just to be able to make enough money like do sponsorships and Olympic lifting or whatnot just to be able to get paid to train. And I'm like, in a lot of ways, Mike, if that's what you want, that's living the dream, brother. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're getting paid to do what you love. So it yeah. might not be big bucks. It might not be the, the BMW in the parking lot that the neighbors think you should have, but you're living the dream. Yeah, the, yeah. Things, that, the things that really kind of like inflate a person's requirements for money are, you know, um, obviously keeping up with the Joneses, and that can be, you know, like uh, made example by things like, you know, um, buying the bigger house, and that kind of thing. And certainly, I mean, and again, I'm not... You know, I mean, a lot of people, this is certainly a goal that they want, but, you know, to be married and have children. Those two things right there um, can really put a damper on uh, <laughs> if, if you're not making a lot of money and you're, you're, you're trying. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's all what you want in a life, right? It's all what you prioritize. And, you know, and, and if, if, if having a family and so forth is, is what you prioritize, then that's great. Go for it. But, you know, it's like you, you were saying, Lonnie, you know, so many people are, well, we're all brainwashed to some degree, without question, but some people are just really, really buy into the whole thing that, you know, you have to do this, right? You have See, to, that, you, you that's where I beat the odds, Rob. Okay, here we Within go. Within 12 months, I started in my own gym, another business, got married and had kids. Yeah. All at once. <laughs> all in the 12-month period. And well, you know, it... To, go, to put it in reverse, and Lonnie, of course, was 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 part and parcel. That, well, not part, but this is where kind of the genesis of where Lonnie and I became friends. I mean, the first time I lived in in Ohio, um, without getting into details, when I left Ohio, I was forced out of the country because I was there on a work permit. I had lost my job, lost my girlfriend, <laughs> who was living there at the time, um, and I. So I mean, you, sometimes, like Phil's saying, sometimes you get it all. Very quickly, and sometimes you lose it all. You know what my wife says? She's a counselor. She works with a lot of people with life issues and whatnot. And she says, you know, for all your plans, ultimately, often, life happens, you know? And that's kind of the situation with me. I mean, uh, who knows what I'd be doing differently 
but you know, becoming a, a PhD and then being a professor and all those sorts of things. Obviously, you know, you've got I, and we had Logan and you know, when you've got kids like you were saying, Robin, you get married. You don't always plan for this stuff. Sometimes life happens, and of so I, I've always had a very strong need, you know, for a steady income and health care and that sort of stuff. And who knows, I may have gone more of the you know, the uh, lone warrior route, uh, otherwise, you know, without some of those things. And but you know, Lonnie, what you, you know what you strike me as being, Lonnie, you always have, and I, and I say this actually in, in, in um, reverence, um, you've always struck me as a guy who really doesn't really follow the normal path, but you, but you try to pretend that you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, if that makes well, any sense. You're, no, you're, it's like, true, and, and I'll tell you when we this whole topic about weaving muscularity into your career. Uh, sometimes it doesn't always fit very nicely with what I'm supposed to do as a teacher or a professor. You know what I mean? I mean, imagine some of the powerlifter guys we've had on, and not just powerlifters, but you know, you get some pot, potty mouth guys, and they're real. They're good guys. They really are. But the kind of people that I work with at universities, oftentimes they will not abide that. They, you know, they don't understand that. Um, they're intimidated by that. They they look at them as almost thugs. You know what I mean? And there's this it's sort of Jekyll and Hyde um, situation that I think you're describing, right. where I've got one foot in each of these worlds, and they're a little bit disparate. Even though I've tried to make them uh, one and the same on some level, they they can be disparate. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a, it's a, it's like you know it's a, it's like the whole thing with Tom Class where he once said you know I'm a bodybuilder a, a powerlifter at heart pretending to be a bodybuilder. Well, you know you're kind of like this you know rebel that's pretending to be the kind of straight lace guy. You know even when I first met you in you know a few years after that when you know you were had things going on at Kent State and stuff. That's kind of when I was hanging around there a bit and stuff with you and. That's kind of was my kind of because even though I went to you know post secondary education so in Canada here there is actually a def, def, definition between what is college and what is university. I know down there kind of they seem to be kind of the same thing, but often here, synonymous, yeah. Right up here, there's a very big difference between college and university. And I went to college. I make no bones about it. I don't have a degree. I have a diploma, um, but I purposely went. Um, because the, the teaching methods in college are more kind of geared towards how I, you know, versus the university thing of being lectured to, and then that really never jive with me. But the point is, is when I was down there and I used to hang around with you, Lonnie, down at Kent State and stuff, you know, that was really an eye-opener for me about the whole university kind of thing and how... Yeah, the prim and proper. I remember trying to kick you out say, you know, listen, you're, you got to wear dockers. If you're going to be hanging around the lab all day sort of working on behalf of a... a, a you know, an adjunct, uh, whether it's a, a company or whatever. I mean, I, not like you have to wear dockers just to come visit me or something. You know what I mean? But yeah, there's, it's a different sort of uh, uh, world, I guess, in that way. But let's get over yeah. to Phil because I, I want to ask Phil uh, that kind of question. So, did you waste time on anything, or no, what worked and what didn't, or that's you know? Tough. Um, see, I came. I don't know. And talking to other people now, that I came in at the right time. Like, to come at the industry how I did now, I'm not sure it's possible. Um, it's just the ages of the the, the, the company, company I worked for prior, I, I'm not sure that position even is alive now. I kind of lucked my way into all these things, and it's I met the right people at the right time. And now it's blown up so big with the certification and everything, and everybody's seeking all that. I, I took a tough way, but I'm glad I took this way because I learned a lot, and I learned a lot from the right people at the right time. Um, as far as wasting time, I don't know. I could maybe say that I wish I started my athletic career a little earlier, um, got serious about that a little earlier when I was younger, and maybe that I started my own, took off and had the 
had the gumption to do my own thing a little earlier. But at the same time, it's hard to tell, especially on that part. The athletic thing, no, I think I could have done a lot more even than I have now, even though I've done well. i got to agree with that. I think I could have done a lot more with the bodybuilding competing, yeah. you know, in my uh, in my 20s and 30s, yeah. you know, instead of once every eight years or something. You know? Yeah, and but I and I, I know for a fact I could have done better with that if I started younger. But the facility, I don't know. I think I think it was my time. Um, I've been I've been kind of the guy under the guy at several places and learned a lot. Um, coached a lot of people to high levels in, in a lot of different things, and it was uh, it was the next on my string. And I'm just glad I had the the cojones to do it and uh, to step out and do that. And now it's becoming successful. Um, and then I also kind of, like I said, stemmed my uh, art background in the other direction, where I'm I'm doing books and DVDs and and stuff for people. So that that also keeps me coming in because I think the hardest part is that people don't realize um, it's just making it, making it out on your own. Unless you're, I don't regret the art world because I, I see it very connected to my athletic world in the fact that if you're going to be an artist, it's damn hard. If you're going to be a strength coach slash gym owner, it's damn hard. Um, unless for both fields that you're willing to sell out. And that's something I'm not, I, right. I won't let myself do. Yeah. And, you know, and that's and that I think that, that, that there's a there's a thread there, Phil, that I think runs between all, all three of us mm-hmm. in exactly what you said, and I think that's probably why we all get along so well. Is I think that's an underlying concept of all three of us is the whole idea that we don't sell out, and yeah. it, it's really, really, and, and I hate to say this because there's a lot of you know people out there that I know who have quite successful. And I don't like to call them necessarily sellouts, but you really have to play the game. Yes. You do. Um, and if you're not willing to play, and, I, and I'm going way beyond the fitness, fitness industry, I'm talking about everything. If you're not willing to play the game, and I can talk about this certainly <laughs> from my own experiences, it's it's very, very difficult. Um, society is set up a certain way, and you're born into it, and like it or not, um, you're expected to mm-hmm. play it yeah. the way the game is already set out in front of you. And if you just... You know, and, and people always, like, you know, I've always been called, oh, you're, you're a rebel, you're a rebel. Even back in school, I remember that. But the thing is, like, a true rebel is somebody who doesn't try to build, be rebellious. Yeah. And I guess I really truly am a rebel then, but I've never, because I've never tried. I, I don't try. Even in high school, I wasn't trying to be rebellious. I just I just th- see things differently, and I think of concepts differently. And, and that runs, you know, really opposed to, to again the way the, the game is to be run and um, it, and playing the game. I don't I don't want to put the the idea forth that you know necessarily playing the game necessarily means that you're selling your soul out or you're you know you're you're less than honorable or something like that because it's it, not always the case, but it certainly in a lot of the cases. But certainly playing the game at the very minimum is kind of what you have to do to kind of keep going in that kind of like. Um, you know, uh, flat, straight road. Um, otherwise, you really do find yourself very oftentimes, if not all the time, going down that side path that's really not paved. It's true. There's an old oh, yeah. Zen Zen phrase that says, you know, quit all your bargaining and get with the program. And I think, yeah. the, you know, that's just sort of a silly way to state it. But the point being is, yeah, you do have to get – it's not like you have to cave and do something the way the man wants you to. But you've got to sort of – if you reject everything too much, you're going to find yourself, like you said, on multiple tangent paths, and you're not going to be making progress in one direction. So you, you kind of got to get on board with something and move forward and learn what you can from it. It sounds like yeah. that's what Phil did, too. 
So. You know, if I could say something to to, to some of our listeners, maybe some guys who are out there who are younger than I am, and you know, I'm hardly people don't have to listen to a word I say, but if they want to listen to something I have to say, it'd be that. You know how they always say like relationships are always about compromise. Well, you know that that's just a very small drop in the bucket of what is that whole concept, which is living life as a compromise. Mm-hmm. You know, and no matter what society you live in, there is always compromise. The thing is, is how much are you willing to compromise? Yeah. You know, and how and, and and you have to really be honest with yourself as far as like, okay, you might say, well, this is only as far as I'm, gonna, I'm willing to go, but do you have the characteristic, uh, the personality characteristics, to, to kind of make good on that line that you've drawn? Um, you the know, line that you draw, by the way, I think a lot of people that when they start now, if you're young or if you're thinking about making muscularity and fitness your field, and I say muscularity and fitness and, and muscle because it's a different flavor, it's a different field really than general fitness in a lot right. of ways. Right. But you, I would suggest people have their own mission statement. Literally write it down. Even okay. though people say you don't always go back and read your mission statement, it does sort of delineate from the get-go what you're willing to do and not oh, yeah. willing to do. For me, it's always for Bill. It's been not doing the most recent fad. For me, it's been you know looking at supplement companies at times when it called for it and said you know good luck to you. Don't want that. And they're like, well, you don't want this. You know, this is ten thousand dollars a month. Nope, don't want it. You know, and I think when you take money. And I can tell out, out of the equation, out there. you you disempower them to such an extent that they yep. they become very frustrating and uh, frustrated and bewildered. Like, and oh I my god, I can't own this guy. He's not a yes man. Exactly. I've t- I can tell listeners uh, absolutely that Lonnie has done that. <laughs> He's one of the rare people that has you know the uh, the kind of like the you know the, the resume that that allows him to kind of uh, get some. Co- Big calls from big people. I I know for a fact that he has turned away from some pretty big uh, ideas. So I mean, it hurts. That, it, it's hard it, to it, do that. No, I know yeah. it because because I, I was the one that was talking to the phone after it happened. But I mean, it's uh, you know, but it's hard to do. But that's the thing. But the, this is what I'm saying about how Lonnie, you put like your your example of what I'm saying here. You you know you you made your line this, but you didn't just make the line that you had an understanding of yourself enough to know that. But I also have the personality fortitude. To actually live up to this, yeah, you know, because because a lot of people, you you know, it's it's all too common to hear people say, well, you know, draw your line in the sand, don't cross it. Well, that's all well and good, but I mean, if 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 in your heart of hearts you know that that you you can't maintain that, then what's the point? You know what I mean? So you have to be realistic with yourself when you're saying, okay, this is how I'd like to be, but this is how I know I can be. No, I think the thing I'd argue though is I think just about everything's attainable if you're willing to give up other things for it. You know, I think you're right on the mission statement and have have a list of rules that you live by. You know, one, one person that's famous on this, a friend of mine, Jim Windler, he has his, like, seven lists of rules. It's got to fit or I don't do it. Um, and, you know, if you actually stick to that, yeah, you're going to give up some things, but you'll be amazed at what other things come to you um, because it just shows that you're a scup- scrupulous, honest person. You're no BS. You're up front, and that's... That's what's came to me. I've had some great people that have helped me in great ways, and it's just for that because they know I'm an honest person, um, and I am who I am. This this is me, and I'm not blowing any smoke. Uh, I'm going to get things done, but we're going to do it my way, and come on aboard or, or, or see you later. But Well, there are certainly unique um, opportunities that do arise, and I say unique because a lot of people um, really don't follow kind of an honorable path in our in yeah. our society but you know there are unique opportunities that can come your way yeah. for being 
an extremely honorable person. Yes. Somebody who is known to be no BS, you know, doesn't screw people over in pursuit of their own kind of gain. Um, and again, when I say unique, I mean unique because it, it, it's funny because I've, I've seen some really good people um, achieve some really great things just by virtue of them being good people. And, and often, I mean, I, if I can interject, often it's out of the blue. Yeah, like I'll get right. a phone call from somebody at a su- supplement company or something like that because I think most people realize corporate money is very big. I mean, what what the university? And again, I make no mistake. I'm working 50 hours a week at universities here. You know, in addition to whatever else I do. And there's been some good things about that, steady paycheck and health care. I mean, I'm trying to be very honest here, even travel, you know. But at the same time, you know, there's sort of a uh, the, the corporate side, w- w- which is where really the money is. The academic side is, you know, mo- medium salaries, stability. But the corporate side is where there's a lot of money. And if you consult, you, it's amazing if you do have integrity out of the blue. And I just got a call a couple of weeks ago. Somebody said, hey, we're, you know, we're doing a fairly big startup. You know, we're, we'd like to give you X thousand per month as a consultant. You know, these are oftentimes surprising, at least in my experience, they have been. People just say, hey, you know, here you go. What do you think? And I, I think it's probably a good life lesson, not just so you can sleep at night, but once you start to cave and become a yes man, in a lot of ways, it's like an, an, an athlete that, you know, uh, has a irreparable injury and he's He's shot, and he's still trying to find a job, like in baseball or something. You know, he's still trying to pitch, and everybody knows he doesn't pitch like he used to. If you sell yourself uh, morally, then you're going to end up in that kind of situation where you've lost your integrity. And like Phil and Rob, you were both saying, the things that are attractive, you're, you're capable, and you're a straight shooter. People listen to you because you're trying to educate them and be honest about it instead of just holding up the product and smiling you know, because yeah. of the paycheck. And I think we're all, I mean, we've seen that here. None of us will. I won't back a product I won't personally use. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> you know, I can't, yeah. I can't yeah. let myself do that. Um, but, and, and I, can't, I can't make my people in my gym do things that I wouldn't do, that I know isn't going to work, or just because it's going to make me a few bucks to have them using this, this piece of machinery or whatnot. Yeah. It's, it's just how I roll. And I think... I think you can do it. I think anybody can do it if they have the cojones to do it. I mean, you've got to be willing to. I mean, people see me, and I'm doing well. And, yeah, I've written a lot in the industry, and I've, and I've trained a lot of people. But you've got to be willing to. For, for a decade, I lived with all my possessions could fit in the back of my pickup truck. Yeah. And I lived on very little money. But I was happy because I was doing what I loved. I was well, you're paying your dues for a while. Yeah. You've got to be willing to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, a decade was, I mean, I was literally scraping by and eating macaroni and cheese. You know, um, whatever high calorie food I could to get in, and now you know I'm, I'm not by any means in a big you know mansion and and killing things. Um, we're slowly adding on where we can. You know, I've got my gym, and now we're I ordered a new mono lift and a competition bench yesterday. Sent the money out for that, and we're putting up a new building. And that's not we're growing as we can, but it's all again, it's it's on my terms, and and things are going the way they couldn't be going better. Um, well, that's a good segue, Phil. Let, let me ask you this then, as one of our last questions here that I, that I have for us is, what, then what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you still want to do? You want to expand the gym, it sounds like. Are we still no, on yeah. time, Lonnie? Are we still good on time? <laughs> oh, yeah, we have, we, have, we have enough time to address this. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm headed to where I want to be. I, I want to be at the point where, you know, I've got my little, I've got 
five acres here, probably ten soon, and I just want to turn this into a mecca of, of strength. Mecca. Uh, yeah, Mecca, <laughs> where everything can be addressed all in one thing. I, it would be my dream if I can make it. Um, I don't need to have, make any more money than I am now, but if I can do it solely on the fitness industry, I would be totally um, happy and do it all on my terms. Um, so, And that's, that includes, I, I'll still continue. I, I thoroughly enjoy printing books for people and, and editing them and and doing their, their artwork for their shirts and their DVDs, and, and that's all part of the industry, and I love it. Um, so I'm, I'm heading in the direction I want to be. I'm almost grown up. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, now I know you're, when you grow up, you, you want to do bigger things in powerlifting still for sure. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I... It, it, this is going to sound strange, but I was talking to some guy in the gym the other day, and I was saying, and he was talking about some powerlifting thing, and I said, you know, I'm sick of powerlifting. And he looked at me and said, what are you talking about? And I said, I said, oh, make no mistake. I said, I'm, I'm as, as enthused as ever about my own training and improving. But the actual kind of, you know, the construct of powerlifting and powerlifting competition and that scene, at that particular time, I was just sick of it. And I am right now. I mean, because to me, they're separate things. And I think that's actually been one of my saving graces as a competitive athlete is because I actually have been very much about there's me and my training and then there's competition, and there's that scene. And once in a while, if I choose to step into that, that's great. But if I don't, there's still just me, the gym, and my training. Um, so yeah, I have I have you know grand plans and stuff still at 42, you know, for powerlifting. But I mean, you know how how that plays out as far as you know, uh, you know, in competition or what federation that's going to be, if at all. I, it's it's kind of like you know whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm I'm the truest example of a guy who just does it for the love of it. You know, and that's funny you, know. you said that because that's I was just going to bring that up. I think when people do, if you do your own mission statement and you think about what what equals success for me. Doing something you really love is going to be more important than money. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, because of because life happens, you know, you're going to have the need to earn a certain amount of money, depending if you're a you know the uh, the bachelor lifestyle or or the dad or or whatever it is. But when Phil talks about loving what he does, or Rob talks about loving what he does, I love what I do. I mean, I'm a professor. I do research. I love research. You know, you know I. It's creating new facts out of thin air. I mean, imagine not reading something in a book, but creating a new fact. Uh, right. Not many people in society have the background to actually systematically know how to do that, to come up with a new fact, create, you know, add to human knowledge. I, I like Phil, though, uh, in the future, I find myself gravitating back toward what I did as a kid, which is I wouldn't uh, – I'm very serious. I've been looking around at, at a facility uh, with its own sort of flavor – uh, in this area, of course, I live in a sort of a suburban and metropolitan area where it's so super saturated with fitness centers. But again, I think you got to define what's fitness because I'm not sure what I want to do is fitness in the way that other gyms around here do fitness. Right. Uh, right. You know. So, but that's still something that I, I'd want to I want to get back to when I grow up as well. You know, I, I don't know. And of course, there's the next big big thing that we've been talking about amongst the three of us. Oh yeah. Uh, and you know, and I really want to put some time into that too because I, I've seen it happen in a very big way uh, outside of our genre, completely outside of fitness. And I think you know that next big thing, and we'll just be uh, vague about it right now. But yeah. I think that could be really fun and really go somewhere, and it would actually help monetize in a way what we do without spoiling any of the content or you know having to sell out. Yeah. Oh, so. I think so too. No, and that that all ties into part of my thing, you know, making it in the 
in this industry uh, on our own terms. But, I mean, anyway, I didn't even touch on it. I mean, athletically, yeah, I mean, I think I have. My, my goals all have, have numbers on them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've got those for myself. And then for my people, I mean, I, I want to. I want to make an army of people that are better than I ever was. You know, I want nothing. I want nothing more than every one of my guys to walk in here and be stronger than I ever, ever was. Absolutely. Yep. You know that. Yep. If I can pass that on and make them better than me, I'll be proud. Um, and that's what I'm finding. I enjoy that more and more. It's, it's getting harder and harder for me to compete because I'm finding more and more joy out of making other people stronger. I think that's in, a natural progression, yeah. actually, in life. You know, you become middle aged and you start to. There's an old samurai uh, phrase that, you know, a man sh- doesn't have the wisdom accrued to, to be a teacher until he's 40 or something like that. And I think as you approach that, y- you naturally want to do that because you're like, listen, you know, my joints just won't have it forever. And not yeah. that I'm not going to keep busting ass. Make no exactly. mistake. You know what I mean? There's no way you're going to let a student show you up ever, ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no. at the same time, yeah, you, that's the ultimate um a compliment is for a yeah. student to, to supersede the, the master, so to speak. Exactly. Right? exactly. And it's a lot of fun to take these 20-somethings and watch them bloom. And uh, it's like, yeah, this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> but you then, know, yeah, I'm, like you say, one of them gets close, and i got to go pull something out of my butt and show them that, yeah, hey, you're not so big yet, youngster. Yeah, but, that's right. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want to presume that, you know, I know all the uh, spiritual or faith uh, you know, inclinations of our, our listeners, but certainly I have none. <laughs> Faith, but anyway, um, that is. But, you know, even even still, I would say that, you know, if I, I'm a, my bottom line is, is you know, to use Lonnie's term earlier, you know, live your dream. Live your dream. Do no harm to anybody else in the pursuit of, you know, and, and when, you, when you're on your deathbed, be able to look back and smile and say, hey, you know what? Maybe I, I wasn't the movie star. Maybe I wasn't the billionaire. Maybe I wasn't the, you know, the guy that's going to go down in, in history books. But you know what? Did you do? Did you basically do what it was that made you happy? You know, that made you smile. I mean, exactly. And and and, and, and you know, and and be able to think that, yeah, I did that, and I didn't freaking screw everybody else over. Right. I mean, <laughs> when you're on your deathbed, if you can look back and say, yeah, I'm proud of that. Then yeah. you did good. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I, okay, and I'll tell you what. We are out of time, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave people with one comment that I usually tell my own students, and that's that, you know, career advice, I say indulge your passions. I know that's risky, but indulge your passions and your education, uh, but always think about what kind of steady money that you'll be making from. How will you eventually make a living from this? You've got to keep that in the back of your head. You know, so and you, you know what? There's another bit, like Phil was saying. But there's another way of looking at, it, and I know we're out of time. But you know, there's also the idea that style that allows you to do the one or two things that you are passionate about. That also is kind of is okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's obviously that the, the, the dream scenario is that you know you make money from doing what it is that you love. But yeah. I mean, sometimes you can't have that happen. And, and, oh yeah. And and like I say, if somebody's like, okay, you know what? I have to kind of do this kind of mediocre job that you know I do well, but I'm not terribly passionate about. But you know, I do it moderately well, and you know, I'm. I'm but it, this allows me, you know, to do my whatever, my horseshoe competitions, right. like whatever well, that's the definition it is. of success. You know, right. like we're saying, how you define success isn't just about how big your salary is or is something like that. It's, it could be I'm able to live the bodybuilding, powerlifting lifestyle. That's all I've ever really wanted. I'm good at it. I find meaning in it. I can do it my whole life. And yeah, if I have to do other jobs as a sort of a sacrifice to make that happen, good oh. because I succeed. And so. don't let people, anybody tell you how you should be and what you should be doing at any stage of your life and believe me they will oh yeah they will especially because i'm saying i'm a single guy with no kids 42 and i have endlessly people telling me well shouldn't you now have this shouldn't you 
be now doing that? Should shouldn't you, should you now be going out and buying Conan the Barbarian? You know what I mean? Like, shouldn't you be? It, it's don't let. But I'm saying, like, seriously, don't let people at any stage of your life tell you what you should at that point be doing. No, you do what you want to do. Exactly. It's, you know, you gotta you gotta live by the wants, not the shoulds, because um, it's your nice. life. It's your life. So yeah, live it. Um, well, I hope I hope everybody that that gives you some hint. Uh, again, young people making these decisions or middle-aged people working, you know, what they consider might even be sort of a bullshit job, so they can allow their lifting to continue. You know, these are all just things that we we thought we'd talk about what we wanted to be when we grew up, and so uh, everybody's got their own uh, rules to live by and that and whatnot. But at least, hopefully, you could glean some information from what we just shared. So it's not always the rosiest picture, uh, but you know, it, it's an authentic one. No, and I think the education thing is huge. Be it at a university or personally, like mine, I've got a, I don't know, I've got a master's degree from personally visiting the best in the world for the last 10 years. You know, spending, just taking the time to, and spending the money, to, I'm, I'm going to drive to them, and we're going to work together, type of thing. Um, but yeah, you've got to get educated. Don't, don't expect to do it on your own. You've got a lot to learn, and there's always more. So. Right, education comes from more than just the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. So... Okay. Have a good one. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state of the art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here, I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however, obviously I've done it for that purpose. I did it because like you, I wanna have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet, 
or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.